Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Self Storage Insight Podcast. I'm Ben Shirey. I'm your host today. And today I'm joined by Joe, uh, Joe with Maximum Storage uh, from Davenport, Iowa area. And uh, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Uh, if you don't mind, give us a little bit of a backstory on yourself and how you got into the storage industry. Sounds good, Ben. Glad to be here. Um, I've been in the storage business for about 12 or 13 years now. Uh, I came from a I was into rentals for a while after I kind of got out of a career and I wanted to be my own boss and I love real estate. I got into residential rentals, um, duplexes, houses, uh, uh, sixplexes, and uh, it was great. And uh, I, But I'd always had this itch in the back of my mind. I wanted to try storage and uh, probably for 20 years, I talked about it and never did anything, looked at them, drove by them, even was a customer of one for a while. And then... About 12 or 13 years ago, um, I had a uh, horse facility that I owned. It was about 12 acres, and there was four big buildings on it. Um, the people quit renting from me, and the place was run down pretty good. I had owned it for about seven or eight years, and I just decided I'm going to start converting these buildings to storage units. Okay, And it was kind of a unique situation. The horse stalls were such that I could break those down and put doors in, and it just kind of fit to where I could create storage units, large ones, uh, smaller ones, and then some okay. group areas. Very interesting. Uh, so, so as far as converting that facility, about how long did that take for you to do? Uh, it took me about two years and ironically, as I converted each building, it was full. It just automatically was full about as fast as I could get it done. And okay. that's when the bell went off in my head. Maybe I should get more serious about storage and get less serious about residential rentals. Right. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a kind of a unique way to get started out with it, but that's awesome. So so if you can remember back to yeah, a few years ago, then when you were just getting started out, uh, was there a specific pain point as far as starting in the industry that you kind of remember or something that, you know, you'd like to try to avoid if you had ever, you know, if you're ever going to start out again? I mean, the biggest thing was just making the move. It really wasn't a pain point. It was more of a self-confidence or initiating yourself to jump over that hurdle. I mean, like I said, I waited 10, 20 years off and on to do it. Finally, when I made the move, it was one of the best steps I've ever made because then it, it, the, the light bulb went off. I need to do more of this. Uh, and I went on a prowl to try to acquire a few storage facilities. Oh, very interesting. So how many facilities do you currently have right now? We have six facilities in the in the Iowa Quad Cities. So Davenport, Iowa, Bettendorf, Iowa, that comprises the Iowa Quad Cities. And then Eldridge is on the north edge. So my six facilities fit right into that market. Okay. And and out of those six facilities, how many of them did you build versus buy that were already established? The horse facility that converted, that was my first build, I guess. And then I, I bought um, four facilities and then uh, two, two to three years ago, right during COVID, I acquired some dirt and I designed a facility and, and built that. So my first and my last are the ones I uh, created. Okay. Interesting. As far as, far as the, uh, the buying phase of that, uh, is there any any insight that you have on if you're looking if somebody's looking to buy buy a facility you know with buying your first one or, or your fourth one did you learn anything throughout those processes that makes it easier to purchase them as as you get more and more of them? Well, yeah, you're going to look at a facility and you're going to see 
how how well run is it? How old or new is it? How tired is it, if you will? In other words, does it need some deferred maintenance? And you're going to look at all those things and factor that into what you can afford to pay for it. You know, right. what are their current rent rates and et cetera to see how they fit in the market? How are they marketing themselves? And then you just kind of have to use your gut. At the end of the day, you have to use your gut. Can I make this better? Can I make it work? Can I improve it? And if you find there's right. opportunities, which usually there are, then you go for it. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Good insight. So, so you said that your last one that you had built, uh, when I had spoke to you the other day, you had mentioned that you built a premium facility. Do you mind uh, speaking speaking on that a little bit as far as what made you go that direction versus, um, and what makes it a premium facility maybe for our listeners? Yeah. I, I, uh, since I'd already had five experiences in storage and they're all unique, it's just like people, every storage facility probably has unique characteristics. Uh, no two are exactly alike. I just took the things I learned. Obviously, security is a big thing in storage. That's a, a big thing we owe our clients, um, how, how well we can secure it. Um, you know, how nice is the facility, the size of the units, the mix, uh, the layout, the ease to get in and out. There's lots of factors. I took all of those things and I created a facility that I consider premium. Every unit, whether it's the largest or the smallest, has LED lighting. When the door goes up, lights go on. When the door shuts, lights go off. Okay. Every unit has electricity. You have to monitor it, but I have the ability to measure use. Um, but some people need it for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, every unit has a, a, a door operator. There are no padlocks on this facility. I felt that was really important in the uh, eyes of security, when a, a unwanted person that's you know opportunistic looking at your client's uh, doors comes on, they're gonna be a little confused. It's not like Fort Knox where nothing is impermeable, but I really feel going this method um, is solid. Plus we have a lot of clients that maybe uh, they are physically challenged or elderly, or they just like the idea that their doors can operate a different way than the good old hang a padlock, pull it up and down. And right. uh, we felt that these were all things we wanted to put into our facility um, and make it uh, something different. Okay. Now, if, if you don't mind speaking to the end of uh, maybe the rent prices, what do, what do you get out of a premium facility per foot versus a, a normal roll up doors with a padlock uh, type of a facility? I don't really think in a per foot basis, uh, but I can give you a comparison. A 10 by 20 in my market's about a hundred bucks a month. A 10 by 20 at my premium facility is 140. Okay. Um, you might not be able to get a 40% adjustment on everything, but it runs about 30, 30 plus percent higher on average on all units. Okay. Interesting. And so then with building that new facility uh, versus, you know, acquiring a facility that already had some form of occupancy, as far as I don't know what percentages they were at, obviously when you bought them, but did you have a lot of trouble filling the new facility that was just built or did you have to do any type of marketing to get those units filled? No, crazy enough. um, I didn't, I didn't do any marketing other than I picked an awesome location. That was the other thing that I did when I built it. I picked a premium location. I had to pay up for the dirt, but I knew it would work. It's on an interchange of a four lane. It happens to be right next to a sheriff's depot, which doesn't hurt to have a neighbor like that. Um, So the strategy was picking a good location, but ironically, there's eight buildings on the facility. And as I got each building completed, I filled it. I went into, I completed it in November and I was full in in November. I was full all winter. And uh, so it was insane how, how well it was received 
Um, I know the, the storage industry is pretty robust in the Midwest right now. So I feel that uh, my timing, I just happened to hit it just right. 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 Yeah. And, and that's very interesting that it, that it would fill up that fast. I mean, I know in my area, I'm in a pretty rural area and it, you know, there's been a lot more facilities popping up, you know, in, even in the rural areas, as far as, you know, we go into, get into Pittsburgh. I live about two hours east of Pittsburgh. And so you get out, you know, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and you see these five or six story facilities are going in now. Uh, you know, everything's climate controlled and, you know, big indoor spaces where my area is more, you know, single story buildings and, you know, more traditionally mm -hmm. drive, drive through or drive around type of parking areas and stuff like that. So it, it's very interesting, the landscape and how different it is based on the location or your geographical location of where you're looking at a storage facility. Yeah. I think if you pick a prime location like this Blackhawk trail storage happened to be, that was a key ticket. I did turn on my, uh, uh, online presence or my search engine optimization. I turned that all on in September and it just, it ensured that I had a, a rush all the way to uh, being full. And now we're 10 months, nine months later, and we're still running 99 plus percent full. What little wow. turnover we have, we always have a waiting list. So it's, it's pretty special. It feels good. And that's the way it is around here pretty much for everybody right now. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a, a very uh, profitable market. And uh, as far as yeah, being able to get units filled right now, it still seems like it's pretty, pretty quick as far as filling up new facilities and, and keeping that tenant, you know, tenant occupancy rates pretty high. So yeah, very, very yeah. cool. It, if I can ask you this question, kind of, if, if I were a new investor or looking to get started in self storage and this, you know, purchasing or building a storage facility, is there one piece of advice you would give me as far as starting out to where, you know, you, could possibly give, you know, a little advice towards, towards the end of getting started in this industry? I think the biggest thing for me and my biggest piece of advice for anybody getting in is once you have a place uh, either identified or you're acquiring a place, once you're on, you're, you're in the game, so to speak, have an excellent online presence, have a great search engine partner that's going to help you uh, get the phone to ring. Because if your phone rings, that's how you fill the facility. Um, if you utilize technology, there's an angle there that helps you fill the facility as well. But to me, the number one thing is have a great online uh, uh, search engine partner. Okay. And, and as far as your search engine partner, do you want to mention any names or who do you typically use or anything like that? I I was cold called by dozens of them years back right. and about five, six years ago, I picked BizIQ out of uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. They're down okay. in the Phoenix market and they've been a great partner for me. Um, I actually uh, started a second campaign them with them on my new Blackhawk Trail facility and uh, my phone rings every day. So I know they do a good job. Awesome. Yeah, that's very that that takes a lot of stress off of the mind, I'm sure, as well, with building a new facility, getting it filled up that quick and having, you know, having people calling about facility or about units. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Ben, to be to be direct with you, I kind of utilize my success with them to gauge whether I should build a new facility in, in my market. Um, okay. I picked an area that was between facilities and I used the fact that my phone rang and and I could tell where the calls were coming from uh, with my campaign with them. And that just assisted me with the decision to invest uh, a lot of money in a, right. in a brand new facility. Okay. Awesome. Any plans to build another facility in the near future or not yet? Uh, 
Um, I'm, I would like to, um, but I'm going to hold my breath a bit. Hopefully, uh, I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, if the market turns, I don't want to get too aggressive, too greedy. Six facilities. I have 650 storage units. That's a lot of work for my wife and I, and, uh, um, I would love to get a higher number, but for now I'm content. Okay. And then as far as with your facilities, is it just you and your wife that run the facilities or do you have any other help or any other management, anything like that in place? Yeah. Other than our, our, um, search engine partner, we really, I pay somebody to do snow removal, just like you guys face that in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. We have that here and I pay somebody to do the lawn care, but I'm there at every facility two, three, four times a week, drive through, look at stuff, pick up debris, you know, tidy up, pay attention. I mean, that's a, a big thing you should do as a facility owner, For sure. whether you're hands-on or you pay somebody, you make sure that somebody pays attention. We don't have on-site management at any of our facilities. It's all, we just show up there randomly and we meet by appointment. That method works for in the Midwest. Uh, for the size of our facilities, but you still got to pay attention to them. They don't run automatically, even though a lot of people think, oh, you get storage units, hang a padlock, get a customer. It's all automatic, collect the checks. There's a little bit more to it than that. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah, very good insight. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, uh, okay. One last question, I guess, before we kind of start to wrap it up here would be, have you had any horror stories or anything crazy that's happened that you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I think everybody's probably faced somebody thinking they can live in one or something crazy like that. But my yeah. most unique one, I've had a couple of those in incidents, but my most unique thing was I do have some outdoor spots for like campers and motorhomes at a couple of my facilities. Okay. And at maximum storage one time, this is about three, four years ago, I had a, a client run a camper spot from me way kind of in the back row. And then randomly on my cameras and some of my other clients would notice a lot of traffic, you know, at different times and a lot of the times going to this camper and lo and behold, they were dealing drugs out of it. Oh, Instead really? of doing it at their house or somewhere else, they had set up shop in my facility, which is right. pretty genius if you think about it, go somewhere <laughs> where nobody's looking for this to happen. And once right. I caught wind of it, I kind of took the unique approach of I went and got, got in their face. I caught them down there. I caught, you know, caught them being there and I just got in their face and I said, basically you've got 24 hours to get out of here or I am going to tell authorities what I know. I'm either going to look the other way. I don't condone what you're doing, but I, I'm also not a judge and a jury just get out of here. And so they left and never heard oh, from good. them again. And it just yeah. made me realize people are creative and crazy. Yeah, for sure. Very creative. <laughs> That's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that story with us, though. Uh, it's been really fun to talk to you. And uh, yeah, anything that you'd like to add in before we kind of wrap up this episode? Uh, anything that we didn't touch on maybe that you thought of while we were talking? I mean, the only other thing I would give people advice for also, if you're getting into the business is you got to be able to collect money. Not everybody pays on time. Um, not everybody's prompt and if automatic, even if you set them up automatically, it doesn't always work. Just right. know that collecting is a, another part of the business that you either have to do or you just have to be willing to put effort into it. And we are fair with people, but we don't let them run over us or rule us. We just don't uh, we don't let the leash go real long uh, before we deal with them. Right. Unfortunately, it feels like uh, collecting like that is, is part of every business, uh, pretty much no matter what business you get into, you get, 
get into those situations where you're trying to collect money from people that owe you money that didn't pay. So, but, uh, yeah, very good, very good insight. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome to talk to you, Joe. I appreciate you being on the show with me today, uh, sharing some of your stories and, and, you know, about your history with cell storage. And, uh, yeah, I think the listeners will get a lot out of it. So. Yep. Thanks for having me, Ben. I appreciate it. I look forward to watching other podcasts as well. Thank you. This podcast episode was brought to you by CC Storage. CC Storage is a property management software that helps you pass the fees of credit card processing onto your customers so you don't pay credit card processing fees ever again. If you enjoyed the podcast, there's a link below where you can fill out a form and be interviewed on the podcast with myself. If that interests you, please click the link below and we'll be in touch. We hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Don't forget to check back next week for another interview with another self-storage property owner.